0: One, two, one, two, what's going on? It's your boy DJ TLM and you're listening to the Share the Knowledge podcast. Welcome to episode 52 of my Q&A show for DJs. Now, if you're new to the podcast, i drop a new episode every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Anchor and a lot of different podcast platforms. I also make video clips of the show that I post on my YouTube channel, DJ TLM TV. So if you're not familiar with that, go check it out. Over 400 videos of DJ related content, including tips, tricks, tutorials, Q and A's, reviews, and all of that good stuff. So make sure you subscribe and activate notifications for that. All right, on this Q&A show today, I have a couple of questions I wanna get into, and I also wanna talk about some of the equipment that I have in the studio right now that I'm using for reviews. I already dropped a first look video a couple of days ago for the DDJ-SX3, so make sure you check that out on DJTLM TV. I'll get into that in a minute, into the equipment, but I wanna start off with a question that I received in my inbox you can send me emails djtlmtv at djtlm.com or check me out on social the handle is djtlm you can check out the facebook group share the knowledge facebook group i have a lot of links a lot of addresses check out all of that information in the description box down below so i don't have to mention everything right here so let's start with this question hey djtlm i'm 18 years old and decided to enter the world of music production to become a dj because it was something that has interested me for as long as i can remember Now that I'm older, I have the ability to actually purchase the rudimentary essentials in order to familiarize myself in how the music production actually goes. But there's one problem. No one in the city I live in wants plans on being a DJ. So I have no one-on-one help that could possibly help me excel faster in terms of understanding how to produce music. I wanted to know if you had an answer for this question. What do you do when you don't have any assistance with anyone face-to-face who's already familiar with the software and could give you some pointers, which could have a positive impact on uh, what you're doing as you're on your way to master music software. YouTube is good, like your videos, thank you, with providing the information regarding tutorials with music software, but I'm sure maybe some help with people you know could be better at times as it may speed up the process. Now, I answered this person's question directly. I do that a lot. I'll give a personal answer, but if I see a question and I know that the answer could be valuable to a lot more people, I wanna make sure that I use it for the podcast or for a Q&A video, or in this case, for both. First thing I mentioned is Your goal should not be to look for ways to speed up the process. If your goal is to speed up the process, then your focus is on the wrong thing. Your focus should be on the process. That's what it's about. There are no shortcuts you have to put in the work. Um, I know, I understand, you wanna get to a certain place. So in this case, you wanna become a DJ and you feel you need to be a producer first. Now, just to be sure, just to be clear, You don't need a producer if you want to be a DJ, but I understand if you want to be a certain type of DJ, production does play a big part. So if you look at these big EDM DJs, they did did not get big just off of DJing. They got big because of music releases, music production, uh, or at least they produce or work with producers and release music. So I understand. And for me personally, I love DJing, but I also like to make music. So I think it's always cool to learn both. Um, so in your case, if that is your goal, you wanna learn music production eh, in order to DJ, don't try to speed up the process. Just go through the process. Um, look, one-on-one could always be cool to have someone that could give you tips, pointers. I get that. But I want you to realize that it is not necessary especially nowadays so if i just take it back and i use myself as an example i taught myself how to dj because i did not have anyone in my surroundings who was djing now i'm not saying that that wasn't possible back in the days because i know plenty of djs who had either an older brother or an uncle or a neighbor who was a dj and there's plenty of stories from old school DJs who started out carrying crates for another DJ and learned all the tricks of the trades from that DJ. That DJ became their mentor. So it happens plenty of times. I'm one of those people who did not have a mentor or someone who taught me. I was lucky enough that I had a great sense of rhythm because I was drumming when I was 14. I started the DJ when I was 16. And I could see the clear connection because It really helped me out. Drumming taught me everything about the structure of songs. I understood how to count music without even counting music because I already learned about that through drumming. Um, So when I first started the DJ, beat matching came natural for me to do it by ear and understanding rhythm and structure. Uh, So I taught myself when it comes to turntablism and scratching, I was listening to albums on tape. I heard scratches and then I tried to emulate what I heard, taught myself a lot now later on i did get my first vhs uh vhs tapes videotapes of um some dj battles some dmc some itf and that's when we got the rise of the new at that time new turntablism stars like the mixmaster mike and the Bird and the executioners and baboo and um that really charged up the whole scene here as well. That was the first time we actually got to see a lot more footage. And then all of those guys came over here as well. And of course, then you pick up little tricks here and there. But even then, I still taught a lot of stuff, uh, learned a lot of stuff by just experimenting at home. You acknowledge that YouTube is a good source. And I'm going to stress this again right now. YouTube is a great source. I'll take it a step further and say that YouTube is all that you need to take you a long way. Now, I do understand and truly understand that not everyone gets the same out of a tutorial, especially if the tutorials are taught or, are explained in a way that if you're a total beginner, it might go over your head. That's a mistake I see a lot of people make when they do tutorials. They are speaking to their audience and they're using terminology that the audience doesn't know yet because the audience didn't know. That's why they're checking a tutorial. That's why I try to keep my tutorials really basic when I explain stuff, because I always assume that I'm talking to people who've never done this before. But no matter what type of software you're using for your production. Um. Cubase, Ableton, uh, FL Studio, Studio One, Logic, whatever, it doesn't matter. There are tutorials online and they should be able to teach you a lot. Now, if you run into problems and there's something you don't understand, you can find a forum specifically for what you want, what you need, it's out there. Uh, So you just Google search for your software maybe add the word forum or just your software and the question and you'll probably find plenty of links that'll take you to a forum where they're already discussing that. And then you find a bunch of people that are using exactly what you're using right now and they can help you one-on-one by answering certain questions. Um, If you feel that one-on-one lessons are needed when it comes to DJing, there are DJs offering one-on-one Skype lessons. I don't know if they're doing the same thing for production, but there are online schools that teach production. I don't know how that works, but when you enroll, I do think you have one-on-one contact with the teacher. So there's a lot of information and there are a lot of options and everything can be found online. So I. Just want you to get out of the mindset that you need someone to help you out, especially if you get rid of that goal that you wanna speed up the process. Just start to teach yourself or learn from tutorials. Experiment, get busy with it. And when you have questions, you look for that answer online. If you do feel that you wanna have someone in the room with you, some people will always prefer that. I can understand, I respect that. If that is what you truly want and there's no one in your town that you're going to have to put in that extra effort, find someone online that teaches one on one. And if they're in a different city, you're going to have to travel to that different city to get your one on one lessons. But if it's something you really want, then you should definitely invest that time and maybe money to travel to a different place if you feel that's absolutely necessary but I do believe you should definitely just start out with whatever you can find online. Tutorials, tips, tricks, ask questions, and if you still need that one-on-one, find a person and go there. It's all about putting in that work and how bad you want it. Uh, But I hope you understand, don't just assume that you need people, see how far you can get by yourself. I'm still teaching myself new stuff every day. And when I say teaching myself, I mean I'm not looking for people to help me, I'll find the information I need online. When it comes to editing videos, I was doing that with different software in the beginning, Sony Vegas. Then I switched to Mac. Sony Vegas doesn't work on Mac. I had to switch to Adobe Premiere. Never used it before. I knew something about video editing, but this looked totally different. I went to YouTube, looked at a couple of videos, and that sent me on my way. And then it's all about doing. So I started to do practice, work, and I'm still learning new things about Adobe Premiere now, but I'm a practitioner. I go out and try and do. That helps me and that has brought me a long way. I wanted to do some intros for some videos. I had Adobe After Effects, but I never used it before. found out what I wanted to do, looked for that, exactly that, on YouTube, found the answer, made a couple of intros. And whenever there's anything I run into, if it's using the recorder and something's not working the way I thought it could work, I'll go online and I'll find the information. Uh, That's why I feel that you don't need anyone. You can be self-sufficient with a connection to the internet. All right? I hope this helps you out. Enjoy the process. And uh, yeah, man, let me know how it works out. So send me an email back in like a couple of months, next year, two years, whatever it is. All right? All right, let me get into what I have in the studio right now. I wanna talk tech a little bit. Uh, I already said I have a couple of controllers here, a couple of devices here. Now I'm still working on a lot of different videos and hopefully you understand, YouTube, I hope you understand that producing reviews and tutorials takes more time and effort than doing like Q and A videos. A Q and A video is not that hard to make. It's setting up the camera, reading a question, giving an answer. Now I do have to edit that video, but it's not as much work as the production that goes into, for instance, a tutorial or a review. I really have to set it up right, know what I wanna say, say it the right way. And that just takes a little more time. But I have the Denon SE 5000. I did an unboxing. Now my unboxing was more than just an unboxing, but I still will do more video content surrounding that player because that is a magnificent thing with a lot of features and I have to talk about it more. I have the Denon DJ uh, VL12 turntables. I did an unboxing, showed you pretty much everything, but I'll still do more content with those. I have uh, the Pioneer Rec app and I have a DJM 900 Nexus 2 here just to use that app because it works with that mixer. I'll release that soon, but more importantly, I just released the first look video for the DDJ-SX3. I hope you've seen that. If not, I'll leave a link in the cards and in the description. It's a controller for Serato DJ, Serato DJ Pro that is. So if you have Serato DJ, you can't use it. You need the pro version. Let's be honest, a lot of manufacturers like to push people towards um, the more expensive model, or in this case, Serato DJ Pro is the top version, and they would like to get people to start using that. I get that. When people saw that it looks exactly the same as the SX2, I thought the same thing, but there's definitely a lot more to meet eye when it comes to that SX3. So check out that first look video. Uh, I was set to do a full review and I'll still do something like that, but I'll at least make a video where I'm showcasing a lot of the features. I talked about features, I showed a little bit in that first look video, but I'll get a little bit more in depth into that. That's the SX3. Then I have the DDJ-1000. That's the controller that a lot of people are talking about. It's the controller for box DJ, but it's the first of Pioneer's controllers that's definitely a little bit different, and I believe that that's more of what they're going into for the future. It has the full same size as the CDJ jog wheels, but with a lot more information inside that jog wheel. So you see a wave file and BPM info really like that. It's a very nice controller. I'm gonna do a review video for that one. I'll also make a comparison video between the SX-3 and the DDJ-1000 for people who are looking for a new um, good controller. If you're using Serato, you're leaning towards the SX3, if you're into Recordbox DJ, DDJ-1000 is the way to go, but you also have to realize that if you look at Serato DJ and Recordbox DJ, they have a lot of similarities as well, so Is it the most important thing to continue using that software or are you more interested in the features that the controller brings? That is up to you, but I'll make sure I'll give you all of that information in videos so you have something to think about. Then I'll also have the XDJ-RX2, if you're not familiar with that. I really loved the first one. It is a standalone player. So it's two players and a mixer built into one that makes it look exactly like a controller, but you can use it without a laptop. You can just put a flash drive in there, same as with a CDJ, and then you can start playing. It works with Rekordbox, so you prepare your music in Rekordbox just like you do for CDJs. Um, but it really feels like you have just a little bit smaller of an actual, DJM CDJ setup in one unit. I absolutely love it. For people who cannot afford a full CDJ DJM set, I think that the RX, and now in this case, the RX2 is a great solution. Now, the cool thing about that device is you can also hook it up to a laptop and use it with Rekordbox DJ. So then it turns into a controller. For me, that's the best of both worlds, but then again, it doesn't have the same jog wheels as a DDJ-1000. The cool thing when you get all of these controllers together is it makes you start to think about what the ultimate device would look like. And I think for me personally, now turntables, that's always my number one because I really love the feeling of turntables. Having said that, I already used the NS7 back in the days, the controller with the moving platters. That felt really good and came very close to feeling like an actual turntable. And the Rain 12 now does the same thing. The only difference is that the platter is 12 inches instead of seven. Um, That does give you that same feel. I think if I look at devices, DJ devices, and I keep turntables in their separate little compartment right here. That's like my all time favorite setup. But if I move beyond that for a second, if I had to compile the ultimate DJ device for myself, uh, let's just go with one device right now. So not separate players in a mixer. For me, it will be a standalone player, full size. So it will be more in the direction of, for instance, the DDJ-SZ controllers that size with moving platters, standalone so you can use it with a flash drive, the nice big screen like an RX2, but bigger screen or have just a full length screen that shows me both players and an extra screen in the middle uh, for the total with all of the information and everything. Uh, That could also be hooked up to a laptop if I wanted to use that, but not having a laptop there Feels pretty nice, but I like a big screen. So if the device would have large enough screens on it, and it has the moving 12 inch platters and all of the uh, performance pads and stuff that I like to have on there. It's a little bit big. I remember moving that SZ around. It's a large, large thing. Same with the NS7. It was big, but I think that would be pretty dope, man, to have something like that. I like the standalone feature, but I like my screens. I took the RX2 to a festival that I played with Brain Power uh, last weekend. Um, pretty big festival, like 12,000, 14,000 peeps. I did not have a lot of DJ work in that performance. We were part of a bigger performance with a full band, a lot of artists in there. I had to do a couple of cuts. I did not know exactly how much space I would have on stage and how much build up time there would be it was a little bit messy when it came to that part but it's not our uh event i wanted to be safe so i just took the rx2 because i knew all that i would need is give me uh, output to the pa system so make sure you have the xlr cables ready and a power source and i'm good to go that's exactly what i did they had the lines ready i just placed it hooked up the xlr cables put in my flash drive done and it feels pretty nice it's smaller jog wheels than a ddj 1000 um but yeah it worked great for my cuts but having that like a standalone unit with moving platter so sort of like an ns7 type of device with 12 inch platters standalone functionality so you could put a flash drive in there but you could also connect it to a laptop if you wanted to with screens that are large enough to really give me all the info I need. So for instance, a CDJ screen, or even the screen on the SE5000, they're pretty big. I don't know if they're big enough. I like the screen on the RX. I don't have it here, the RX2, Uh, it's it's, it's, um, in a different room. I'm not gonna get up to get it now, but uh, you'll see it in the video. It's a nice size screen, but it's cool to fantasize about stuff like that. Uh, So that's gonna be the question of the day. What would your ultimate player device controller look like? Drop it in the comment section. Let me know, man, we'll probably see some crazy ideas. So I did have one more question I wanna talk about also in my email inbox, and this is about beat matching and especially about a very tricky part of beat matching. Now, when you wanna beat match, you wanna make sure that the track is playing and the track that you're bringing in are playing at the same tempo. So you cue up the track, the new track on your headphones, you start to listen to it and you try to match that tempo. Now, of course, if you're using sync, you'll click sync and if everything is right, it'll probably work. But let's just assume that you're doing this by ear because that's how you mix or because sync is not working. Now, when you do that, you're gonna bring it in and listen if it's playing fast enough or too slow or too fast. And then you adjust the pitch accordingly until you get it right. If you're totally new to this concept, make sure you check out my beat matching tutorial. Check out the card or link in the description box down below. But here's the thing, I have a question that I received from someone who's actually struggling with that very thing right now. So let me read the question. I've been trying to learn how to DJ for the last year on beat matching alone. And with house music, I practice at least two hours a day Every day, I have the DDJ-RX controller and software. I practice the one ear on and one ear uh, on the monitor. So you have your headphones on one ear. The other ear is free. I play the same way. So you can hear the sound coming from the monitor. I know other people like to just have their headphones on and do everything in the headphones. Um, You need to find what works for you. But I do the same thing. So let me get back to it. So trying to beat match. Uh, the BPM without looking at the laptop and I get a drift when playing two tracks but I can't seem to work out which track is playing too fast or too slow. Are there audio cues and echo when trying to beat match this way? Uh, Your YouTube video really helped me beats bars and phrases, Uh, the counting music video, cool. Uh, So nice one, advice or tips would be much appreciated. All right, so, like i said it's tricky and i had that same issue when i first started to teach myself how to beat match i understood that they had to play at the same speed because if they're not playing at the same speed and you play them together you get that train wreck effect you get kicks and snares all over the place on both sides and it sounds horrible so you want to have them playing at the same tempo so they're playing in sync they're playing aligned and that sounds right especially if you have tracks so either if you're mixing house where you have that four to the floor drum pattern you have that kick drum on every beat you want to make sure that they're playing at the same speed because then you still hear that kick drum but just on both sides if they're not playing in sync you're gonna get they're gonna mess up if you're using tracks with a drum pattern where you have kicks and snares With most of those drum patterns, you have a snare on the two and four. You wanna make sure that the snare on both tracks is playing at the exact same time. Otherwise, it's gonna sound real messy. Um, Here's the thing. You have to focus on a specific sound in one of the tracks. Now, I wasn't using a lot of house. So for me, the focus most of the times will be on the snare drum because that was a more steady factor than the kick drums. Especially with hip hop, the drum pattern has the kicks placed differently in a lot of tracks. So one track could have a kick on the one and on the three, but then you have other tracks that have kicks that are going boom, boom boom ka boom, ba-boom-boom-boom-boom, whatever, all over the place. So in that case, the snare, would be that steady factor. So I would have one track playing, I hear how that snare sounds. Now I get my other track ready and I listen to that snare. Most likely that snare will not sound exactly the same as the snare already playing. So when I start to add that one in the headphones and I listen, and I listen to the other track on the monitor, I try to focus on that snare to hear if it's falling exactly in line with the other snare and since I'm focusing on that one snare, I can hear if it's falling before or behind, or before or after the other snare. So that helped me out. I just focused on that one. Now, let's take it back to you. You're talking about house, that's kick drums. Now, I understand a lot of these kick drums might really sound a lot alike, but there should still be a difference. If not, hopefully there's an extra sound in there, if it's a hi-hat or whatever type of sound. If there is a sound in there that's not in the other track, that could be your indicator to see if that one falls in line with the other one. Now, if the kick drums sound too much the same, so it's really hard for you to hear the difference between the two, then I suggest you try to work with the cue assigned on your mixer. Now, I was using a lot of mixers, that had a little slider. So when I wanted to cue on the headphones, if the slider was that way, I was hearing that deck. If I had it that way, I was hearing that deck. And what I would do sometimes is I would actually listen to the one that's already playing. I would focus on that one. And exactly on the one where you get that kick, I would slide to the other side just on that timing. So I would only hear that deck and I would hear if that kick was also exactly there. Go back to that one, so I hear that one. If it's playing like this and I switch my cue to the headphones to the other track, I should have the kick exactly there too. So I would switch and if I heard the kick exactly there, I knew it was on point. If I did it and I switched to the other deck and it came a little bit late, I knew it was playing too slow, so I had to speed it up. So I was cueing between the two to hear if they're playing at the same time. Now, if you don't have that slider and you have buttons to cue, you get your headphones on and first you have the track that's already playing, cued in your headphone. And then once you get that rhythm right, you listen to that kick, then you switch it to the other deck and you should hear that kick exactly at that same point. If it's not there and it's a little bit late or it's already past that point a little bit, you can figure out which one is playing slower or faster. I understand that this might not make it clear enough for you. So I will do a video probably this week or next week, just a short video to demonstrate what I mean with that cue effect. Hopefully that helps. But if not, remember the other thing I just said, if there's any sound in there. So if you're using drum patterns with snares, Focus on that. One time, one might have a snare, another might have a snap or a clap. That makes it even easier to recognize. And even then, I sometimes use that same cue technique, go back and forth. Uh, And after a while, I got used to it. Now, you've been practicing for quite a while, and you're still not getting it, so maybe you need to try a different approach and just get the headphone on both ears and switch between the cues. Try that technique for a second, see if that helps you out more. But I'll make a video to demonstrate. I wanna make that a question for you at home as well. How did you get past this problem? What's your preferred technique to hear if the track that you're cueing is playing too fast or too slow? What do you focus on when you're doing that beat matching, that part of beat matching, the most important part of beat matching? Knowing if the track is playing too slow or too fast. What do you focus on? What do you listen for? I also understand for a lot of you digital DJs that you might use the information on your screen. If you're using any DJ software, you have the WAV files. And if they're playing right there on your screen, and you're using kicks, boom, 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 or kicks and snares, you can see if they're playing in sync. And if not, you can see which one is playing ahead or behind. I know that can help you out. But that's what the question here says this person is actually practicing to do it without that screen. I feel that's very important because you have to realize you might play with a laptop now, but maybe in the future, near future, way, way ahead in time, or just by accident because you don't have a choice, you might end up playing on a device where you do not have that screen. If you're playing with CDJs, they have a screen, but they show one screen there, one screen there. You don't see them lined up uh, below each other. So you can't use your screen to see if they're playing in sync already. So it would be great practice to practice doing it by ear. To me, it's a lot of fun. I already enjoy, always enjoy doing it. Uh, But even if you don't really enjoy it, I still feel that any DJ should be able to beat match by ear. Even if you never use it, having that skill, knowing that you have that backup plan, if anything goes wrong with your digital equipment, it's a great feeling. It's always good to add that to your skill set. So, once again, question of the day. How do you determine if the track you're mixing in is playing too fast or too slow? What do you focus on in that track? Let us know in the comment section down below. Join the conversation, share the knowledge. So that's where I'm gonna end today's podcast. Try to keep it a little bit shorter, but I hope you enjoyed today's information. I feel this was a very nice episode when it comes to info, and I hope it helps out a lot of people. Now, if you know anyone who's not checking out the podcast yet, make sure you spread the word, share the knowledge. Uh, I feel audio is going to play a bigger part in all of our lives. And I know a lot of you like to watch my videos, but there are a lot of circumstances when video is not your best option. When I'm walking down the street or I'm driving in the car, video is not my preferred option. So with a lot of channels that I used to watch on YouTube, I'm checking it to see if they have audio versions of their content as well, because that really helps me out. I can have it in my pocket, the phone, and just listen to my headphones. When I'm in the gym, I can listen to a lot of info as well. So. I feel that that's gonna be the same thing with this. You can check out this information anywhere at any time and you don't need your screen for it. Uh, So if you're enjoying the podcast, please help me spread the word. Also, if you're getting the opportunity, make sure you give me a nice rating on iTunes because that will always help the show out as well. I wanna thank you for tuning in. Again, all of the information about the podcast can be found in the description box down below. New episode every Monday on iTunes, Anchor and SoundCloud, and a lot of different podcast platforms, Stitcher, Uh, Overcast, you name it, you'll find it right there. Thanks for tuning in. This was episode 52 of the Share the Knowledge podcast. I'll be back next week. Check out the Share the Knowledge podcast, uh, Share the Knowledge group on Facebook. And if you have any questions, you know where to reach me. Again, all of the information in the description box down below. See you next week.